This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. I want to talk with you this morning about showing love. It's a lot easier to talk about love than it is to show it. It's a lot easier to kind of have some views on love and some ideas and attitudes than it actually is to get love into practice. And there's no time that that's clearer than Christmas. You've been shopping for Christmas presents. You've been organizing perhaps some sentiment on a card. You've been doing a bunch of things to try and express love for those around you, in your family, in your network, uh, in the reaches of your uh, involvements in life. And, and there's always the question, will it be received well? Will, will, will people know that I'm trying to express love? Because love is a complicated thing. It just is. You can do what you think is right, and then you don't get the response you were hoping for. You, 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 you spend money and you give the gift, and somebody opens it and makes a comment. And you think, well, thanks for that. Because love is complicated. It is not easy to show love. It's easy to talk about it. It's easy to theorize about it. But to actually show love is challenging. I want to talk this morning about bats in Melbourne, refugees in the Netherlands, and the baby Jesus in a manger. That should at least make you wonder. That should at least make you qu query. Uh, this business of showing love, profoundly complicated and profoundly costly. Because as human beings... We speak a language that we can share, but it's the nuances, it's the details, it's all in the understanding. And when we think about God showing his love to us, we can sometimes think naively, well, that should be easy. Love is complicated. It's complicated because what we do to express love doesn't always meet with people's expectations, with the language that we speak from our hearts, and things get lost in translation. Back at the turn of the millennium, there were bats living in the botanical gardens at the center of the city of Melbourne. Uh, there was a colony of gray-headed flying foxes, about 30,000 of them living in some of the significant trees in the, in the botanic garden. And this was fine. They were there since the 1980s. But at the turn of the century, they started to become more noticeable. There was, there was a bit of a challenge. And the city got into quite an uproar. Because the problem with gray-headed flying foxes is that they are noisy, they smell bad, and they were damaging, or so it was thought, some of the, 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 the flora and fauna of the gardens. So the authorities decided that the flying foxes had to go. And this created quite a furor in the city because there was a group of people who recognized that these were endangered. Uh, this was an endangered species. They had a certain love for these foxes and didn't want them to be exterminated. So how do you show love to, to, uh, to flying foxes? How do you show love to bats? I know a lot of you are thinking, I do not want to show love to bats. I'm not interested in bats. Bats are, oh my goodness, why is he talking about bats at Christmas? And, and so they had to organize some plan to address these, these critters. And in fact, the, the tensions got quite high. There was almost a mob kind of activity in the gardens at one point. 
as viewpoints clashed. So finally the government said to the wildlife authority, you have got to work something out, figure something out to deal with these gray-headed flying foxes, come on. Now the problem was, nobody speaks bat. Nobody had the capacity to climb the tree and say, look guys, you gotta move on. Because if you don't, they're going to shoot every last one of you. You are in danger, you're going to die. You need to relocate. Nobody had this language. Nobody had this capacity. And this is always the challenge with showing love. It's always, it's always the same. The ability to speak the same heart language of another person. We might have the same, the same sort of linguistic uh, set as another person. Doesn't mean we're speaking their language, not at all. In fact, it's profoundly difficult. It's complicated to show love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. So this group of people in Melbourne charged with the responsibility of loving these bats, relocating, fixing them, they come up with a solution, pretty simple solution, really. Um, they decided that what they needed to do is make so much noise that they would drive them out of the trees. So, so they did. They got all these volunteers from the botanic gardens and other folks you know, in, in, the, in the wider community who thought we need to do something to save this endangered species. They went into the gardens at dusk with dustbin covers and boom boxes and pots and pans and on signal they clattered and clanged and banged and made such a corumpus that every one of those bats woke up and they lifted up out of the trees and began to fly across the city. Well, that's all well and good. We've got them off the trees. Now what? This was a big operation. They had people, they had people posted on the tallest buildings in Melbourne watching where these flying foxes went so that they could, so that they could corral them and they had some designated target areas. Now, I can tell you that today, that colony of bats are out at Yarra Bend. They were relocated to Yarra Bend. They've actually built a platform. You can go out there and fox watch, if, if, uh, uh, sorry, uh, bat watch, if that's your thing. Uh, you, you can see the flying foxes. But in order to achieve this, once those bats lifted up off the trees, they had to keep coming back to do this again night after night to re-educate and relocate these, these leathery little creatures. And of course, as they lifted off the trees, well, no one speaks bat, do they? So they didn't know where they were supposed to go. These volunteers spent eight months going around the city in response to bat reports, clanging and banging to get them out of a girls' school where they landed on the trees for a few nights, to get them out of a crematorium where they thought they might make a home, to get them out of local parks for eight months, banging and clanging to move them on, and now they're relocated in Yarra Bend. Now the thing is, love is complicated, and you might be thinking, right, well I'm a bit smarter than a bat, and I wish you at least that this Christmas. But here's the problem. In relation to God, we just don't have. We just don't have the love language of God's heart. 
to understand and to know and to experience how much God loves us. Oh, yes, he has our language, and he can come and he can speak to us, and he's done that through prophets and preachers. But you know the problem? It sounds like so much banging and clanging to get you to do something, to get you to move. You come and you listen to the preacher at Christmas, and you think, is he still going on, yanging and haranguing and banging and clanging? Because love is complicated. And how is the God of the universe, the creator of all things, going to speak to your heart and tell you how much he loves you? How's he going to redirect your life and tell you that there are choices and ways of living that lead to destruction, devastation, hurt, pain, crisis? How's he going to, how's he going to lean into your life and, and help you to experience a dynamic, full, and abundant experience of this life that we have been given. How's he going to express that love? Sounds like so much noise again and again. Because it is complicated, this thing called love, to have the heart language of each other as we love. And to know God's heart, well, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. Well, here's the end of the bat story. It turns out that these bats, these gray-headed flying foxes, only live for 15 years. And so all of this activity happened just, just a little more than 15 years ago now. So there's not a bat alive in Melbourne who remembers living in the botanic gardens. They have been re-educated, re-socialized, re-deployed, re-repositioned, and there's a kind of victory in this story for those who worked hard to relocate. And, and now that colony, which was endangered and, and, and uh, kind of, you know, in, in crisis because of, I mean, who likes bats, really? Nobody. So who's going to look after them? Do you know they've, not, they've now grown? They're now a colony of 50,000, and they're safely there where they're not bothering and we're not bothering them. It's a, it's a challenging thing when you don't have the language to express love. And the Bible says that God spent long seasons speaking through prophets, but in this last season, he sent his son. He sent, he sent an incarnation. He sent uh, his, his, his own love and life in the form of a human person so that we can experience God's love up close. And so if you want to know God's love, you need to get to know Jesus. If you want to explore this thing, I mean, could it be that the creator of the universe actually cares about me? Well, you need to look where God has sent his love, and you need to explore this person of Jesus. And it's phenomenal. And the church's responsibility is to share this story and to make this story real and to give it life and to give it vitality so that we can experience this love of God. Let me talk about refugees in the Netherlands. Uh, what's the longest church service you've ever attended? Well, there is a church service going on right now that has been going on since the 26th of October. So, um, 60 days. 60 days this church service has been going on. Morning, noon, night, through the evening, 24 hours a day. So, it's over 14,000 hours this church service has been going. Now, let me just reassure you, we're not trying to address that record. We're, we're, we're good here. We'll be done very soon. Um, 
this, this church service has been running for the, the longest time. Now, let me give you the backstory. There's this family in the Netherlands from Armenia. The father was um, voicing concern and politically active, and because of his activism, there were threats against his life, against his family. The family had to vacate Armenia. They came as refugees to the Netherlands. They've been living in the Netherlands for nine years, seeking status, seeking um, a, a, some arrangement. That, that it's a family of five, mom and dad, a 21-year-old, a 19-year-old, two women, and a 14-year-old son. For nine years, they have been integrating, making friendships, studying at school, uh, engaging in community, and this is their life. There's a, there's a law in the Netherlands that says that you can, uh, you can uh, apply if you have children and you've been refugees in the country for five years. You can apply for what is called a kinder pardon. I just love that phrase, a kinder pardon. Meaning that if you've had kids and you've been refugees and you're in this country for five years, your kids are being socialized into this nation, we will make exception, we will make opportunity, we will embrace you in the nation in love. Now, I love the idea of a kinder pardon. I'd like to have a kinder pardon, wouldn't you? Forgiveness for things past. We're going to set things right. The stuff behind you, that doesn't matter. What's in front of you, that's what matters. Do you realize that the God of the universe is handing out kinder pardons? Do you realize it's actually possible to have an experience of God's love that doesn't get all tied up in where you've been, but is deeply passionate about where you're going? An experience that forgives and resets and renews and makes life in the family, life in the community, a new and wonderful thing. In fact, it's even better than a kinder pardon because it addresses and creates, provides forgiveness that creates new opportunity. This family applied for that and they were rejected. No kinder pardon for this family who've been nine years in the country. They went to the courts, and on three separate occasions, they won their case. Uh, the court said, you, your refugee status is granted, it's valid, you can stay. But three times, the state appealed their case and took them to a higher court. And so this has generated a lot of pain in this family's experience, a lot of, a lot of drama in their immediate community. In the last iteration, they lost their case, that there are no more options for them. And so they reached out to a local church and said, is there anything you can do? Can you grant us some kind of safety? Can you do anything for us? And so the church leaned into their situation and explored, asked a lot of questions, tried to understand you know, their narrative, and, and eventually realized this is a family who, what's happening to them is harsh and unjust. It's not right. And so the church embraced them. And then they did a very clever thing. Someone realized there is a law in the Netherlands, a medieval law that has never been overturned, that says the police cannot interrupt a worship service in progress to arrest someone. So the church said, we know what to do. Come to church. Join us at worship. And we're not going to stop. 
And so for the past 60 days, this church has been meeting and having a worship service that never stops to keep this family safe, to raise awareness, to, to create a circumstance where their plight and their pain and their injustice is seen. This church has surrounded this family with love. Now think about that for a minute. A church service that's going on for 14,000 hours with no finish time in view, how do you organize that? Like how do you get, you know, the, 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 I mean that's a lot. So as this began to kind of emerge and the story went out, you know there are over 400 ministers in the Netherlands that put their hand up and said, roster us on, count us, count us in, we'll be there. Over 600 volunteers. See, they have to have three people in church all the time to, to really call it church. You've got to have three people. I didn't know that, but that's what you need. You need three people, and then it's church. And, 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 and they have to organize all this. I read that story, and I thought to myself, would anybody ever do that for my family? Imagine being destitute and, and lost and at loose ends and caught up in the injustices of systems over which we have no control and fe feeling so lost and so broken and so helpless to find yourself embraced by incredible love. Love is complicated. And love is costly. And love always involves sacrifice. And it always involves, you know, demands somewhere that somebody is paying the price. And I read that story and thought, that is an amazing story. That's what the church does. That's the church at its best, expressing love in complicated, costly ways, embracing people, mirroring what Jesus is on about in our world and what it means to be loved. That, that, that church service is still going. It's, it's still going. So I'm going to be watching that story on the news to see what's happening. And, and the, the minister of that church has said, we're going to go on and on and on until we know that this family is safe among us. It's just, it's just a, a wonderful kind of... Who's, who's going to go on and on and on for you? Who's going to go on and on and on with an expression of love, an embrace of concern and care, making certain that you're okay? Well, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. What we celebrate at Christmas is God's incredible love his deep desire to enter into our world and speak his love in a language that we can understand, to embody it in an expression that we can discover, to give it, to give it flesh in a way that we can, we can be impacted by it. But you need to go and search out who Jesus is. You need to read his story. You need to lean into his narrative. You need to get with other people who know of him. This is why Jesus came so that he could actually embrace the human family with a whole different narrative, a whole different story. Not a story of live till you die and that's it, but a story of, of resurrection, hope, a story of eternal promise and life, a story of deep transforming love. This is why Jesus came, to embrace us into his amazing family. And love is complicated. It's complicated. We often think, why won't my kids just respond to my love? Why won't my partner, why won't my spouse, why, why won't my parents just respond to my love? Because love is really complicated. But as we learn, as we lean in, 
Love is the most amazing gift. And this is what God is on about in the world. At Christmas, we celebrate a God who embraces the complexity, embraces the cost, and says, it doesn't matter. I'm going to go on and on and on until you are safe in my care. We celebrate the coming of Jesus, and we respond to that incredible love at Christmas. Let me lead us in prayer. We're going to sing together and celebrate this joy in our world. Would you stand to your feet as I lead us in prayer and respond to this wonderful love? Gracious God, we thank you that at Christmas you show your love among us by sending your one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This gift of life, God, this gift of life abundant that can only be experienced when we are in your embrace. It can only be experienced when we are responding to your heart love that leads us and shows us a deeper, more beautiful way to live. God, at this Christmas season, help us to hear through all of the noise the wonder of your love. Help us to experience through all the activity the embrace your eternal family care. Lord, Christmas is a wonderful time, and we are grateful to celebrate your amazing gift of love and life. Help us to see it fresh. Help us to know it. Help us to embrace it. Help us to live it and to share it. Help us in all the ways that matter, God, to experience your love for us. For this we pray in the wonderful name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen.